Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Um, I'm delighted to welcome someone who's become a very good friend of mine, a dear friend. Um, she is a radio host, amongst other things, and um, does a lot of great work in terms of um, mental illness and fighting stigma on mental illness. Her name is Tiffany Werner. Welcome, Tiffany. Hi, thanks, James. How are you? Um, I'm very well. <laughs> um, I've actually been on Tiffany's radio show a couple of times as well. Um, it's, you have. Uh, yeah. done a great job. Oh, thank you. Um, it's called Moments of Clarity with Tiffany, um, and it's a show about mental illness. It discusses different topics, issues, um, shares different stories around mental illness and um, it's based in the States, so I've done a radio show by Skype. Uh, I think I've done three now, haven't I? So, um, and I'm back again in August, I think. So um, we just figured it'd be a good idea to have Tiffany on on this show. So, um, yeah, good to have you here. That's weird being on the other end <laughs> as the guest. <laughs> yeah, well, this isn't live. This is recorded, so this is slightly different. But, but, um, but yeah, it is, yeah it's, it's a bit weird because normally it's the other way around. And normally I can't see you. So um, this, we're doing a we're doing a Zoom call, so I can see Tiffany right now. Um, so tell us a bit about your story and, um, like, you know, your your mental health story, your and your and your journey into radio as well. And we have an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> How far back do you want to go? Well, just it's up to you, really. Where where do we point up? Where kind of feels appropriate, like. Oh, okay. I'll just, um, well, I, um, I guess I became, um, a therapist. I decided to, um, go into practice with therapy because, um, right when I was entering college, I had lost my mom. I had found her. She had a brand aneurysm. And then as I was in the university, um, I lost both grandparents and then my father as well. And, um, I saw the the benefits of therapy of helping someone through a traumatic experience. And so I became very passionate about not only helping adolescents, especially teenagers, because I was barely 18 when uh, I experienced my first traumatic experience finding my mother. And um, I saw that that it can definitely turn someone off their right path when it a trauma happens and, um, and the help isn't there. And so I started becoming passionate about helping adolescents and, um, teenagers that are going through a hard time. I worked mm. with the department of juvenile justice and things like that. And I focused primarily on helping adolescents and families because I saw the power of someone intervening, intervening, you know, um, mm. and not only that, but when it's not treated, it can turn into anger and, the wrong kind of lifestyle. It can completely derail somebody off the path. And so that's what started with the counseling. I also know that there was a big stigma because I was raised, my father was a a Marine. He actually passed away from Agent Orange from fighting in the war. Um, And that's what, um, you know, eventually ended his life. Um, And he was the first lieutenant with three Purple Hearts, all sorts of stuff. And then years later, it was Agent Orange that caused cancer and eventually took his life. But when 
when my mother had passed, he, you know, my family didn't really believe in therapy. They thought it was, you know, for the severe or, you know, what they considered mentally ill or whatnot. And um, I had even asked to go speak with somebody and he was like, I remember the words, you know, there's nothing wrong with you and you don't need to see somebody and um, that kind of stuff. And I definitely did. And then I saw how powerful it was when I actually trusted the right therapist and was able to process through the trauma and not only deal with survivor guilt, um, but, but heal through, um, a traumatic experience and grief and loss and everything that I was trying or, you know, having to deal with myself and no one should ever do that, have to do that. And so, um, and so then I became passionate about working with, um, adolescents and, and families. And it was a long journey of doing that, um, for years. Um, and, um, very rewarding. I worked in correctional facilities, um, Department of Juvenile Justice, maximum risk facilities with very, very high risk youth. Um, Mm. And um, saw a lot of um, very good outcomes with that as well. Um, And then eventually um, it kind of led me into where it was private practice setting And even then, uh, my clients would come in and say, you know, I don't know why I'm here. Um, My mom made me come. I'm not crazy. Um, Things like that. They're making me talk to somebody. Started seeing a stigma around it. Mm. And and then decided to open up my own counseling center where there was no medication providers. It was a comfortable kind of upscale setting that didn't intimidate someone coming in didn't look mm-hmm. like, you know, that, um, then set the image where, you know, there's other, any reason to feel intimidated. It was more comfortable. It was more welcoming and not saying anything against where I was before, but it was more, I was in, you know, in a practice with, you know, psychiatrists and medication providers mm-hmm. with the receptionist in the lobby and, you know, names were called in, you know, like next kind of deal. And, and, um, so, so anyway, I opened a counseling center, Safety Harbor Behavioral Counseling Center, and I um, wanted to remove that image from seeking help because um, no one has to be quote unquote crazy. I kept hearing that word, and I hate that word um, to go talk to somebody about a problem, about mm. a life problem, about a struggle, a breakup, a divorce, a you know. Um, problems with work or a loss of job or family conflict or um, grief and loss or any of those things. And, um, and what a difference it made. And so anyway, when I opened the counseling center, I joined the chamber of commerce and at the ribbon cutting, I had given a speech and um, that's when the radio station WTAN was there. And they asked me if I would like to host a psychology show and, Yada, yada, yada. Three and a half years later, here I am. <laughs> wow. And, um, made it a big, big passion of mine to be a outreach because um, a lot of people don't know that, that help is out there and you don't have to be severely suffering with something or 
even, you know, diagnosed to go talk to somebody and have a sounding board Mm. that's helpful and that's friendly and that's confidential where they don't have to worry about friends or family worrying about them or fear of it getting out to anyone or judgment or any of that. And, um, and so um, the radio show is also is on, you know, raising awareness on so many topics when, especially mm-hmm. if people are fearful of seeking help, at least the, the show is um, raising awareness on so many topics that help others understand what maybe and be able to be more compassionate, empathetic of what others are going through. And that's half the battle is also not only do we struggle, but other people do too. And it's how we understand and can help and, you know, and be more, be more of a friend, be more of a family member, be more there for others that are dealing with things or coping with things such as anxiety that's so misunderstood all the time or depression or things of that nature as well. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's some story. Um, I, I mean, I empathise with with a lot of your experiences because I I lost a parent as well, at a similar age to when you did, and um, yeah, I went through a big childhood trauma as well, and you know I know the impact those things can have and the damage they can do, uh-huh. and it's really important that we have people who are speaking out about it and. Because when you're in those situations, it's really easy to feel alone, isn't it? It's really easy to feel like you're the only one going through those things when actually you're not. And um, uh-huh. yeah, and it puts uh, a void. It, it it puts a hole and like a void in within us, especially at a young age. You know, a lot of our a lot of problems stem from early childhood as well and things that we experience early on. And if they're not understood or or treated or um, at least faced and, and coped with properly, then they can be damaging to us. And we could rub in and have a fear of abandonment or fear of, yeah. of um, intimacy or fear of commitment or fear of loss or, you know, just irrational fears that we could develop within ourselves because of a sudden thing or, you know, an early childhood, you know, um, any type of trauma from even abuse to a divorce or anything, you know, of that nature or, or you know, of course, death in the family or sudden loss, anything of that nature can really impact us into our adulthood if it's not, if it's not handled or, you know, faced or actually, you know, um, learned and, and healed the right way. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, what, what impacted your, was it your father or your mother's death that was the first one? My mother. Your mother. What impact did your mother's death have on you? Like, what was your kind of reaction to it? Like the damage it oh, did to you? Oh, I was a mess. Um, I had just turned 18. I had just graduated high school. I was the one that found her. Um, I was waking up. I was taking summer courses before I went away to the University of Florida. And um, and I just woke up one morning and decided to get ready for school. And um. And she was laying on the bathroom floor and no idea. We didn't know what was going on or anything like that. And um, she um, had a brain aneurysm. They put her on life support. She lasted about five days and then we, there was no hope for her. 
And, um, and especially since I was around uh, family that didn't believe in therapy and everyone just kind of didn't know how to cope with it. Um, a lot of people were, everyone was kind of dealing it with it their own way without being supportive of each other. I guess everyone was just in shock. And, um, and I, um, I think I was very lost. I was sick of people looking at me like I was wounded. I, I was, um, I didn't, you know, didn't know how to, I numb, you know, there's stages mm-hmm. of grief and loss that I now know, you know, and one's denial and then bargaining and then anger and depression and acceptance. Well, I definitely was in denial for a second and then anger, <laughs> you know, anger, anger, anger. And, um, and I, I, and say so I was an angry little teenager for a little bit. Um, yeah. I didn't even want to be around healthy people that wanted to help for a minute because I didn't want to think about it. And that's yeah. definitely not healthy, obviously. No, no, it's not. Um, and I had, I had a very similar reaction. Um, anger was, was, you know, I mean, to, to start with, I remember the first two, the first couple of weeks after I, my mum died, I didn't, I didn't cry at all. Um, I think I subconsciously decided I had to be strong for everyone else. Uh-huh. Um, and buried my pain. Um, uh-huh. And then it came out in anger. Anger was the big, was the big thing for me. Yeah, that's what. That's what happened. That's how it came. That's how it expressed itself, you know, and just angry. And that was your mother or your father? My mother. My mother. Um, I was 23, so, you know, not not, not much older than you were. Um, Yeah, so I, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't understand what was happening. Of course, like you, I didn't understand the process of grief and how that works and, you know, and um, that I'd... and it's scary at that age too because mm. everyone expects you to be on your own as an adult and self sufficient and everything like that, mm. and it's hard to do when you don't have your parents around or you know especially your mother, and um, you know I know yeah. that legally people think eighteen is an adult, but our brains don't fully develop until twenty four until we're age twenty four, and I don't know it's um. It's really hard to even like to move out and be on your own, you know, in your late teens and early twenties anyway, but to not have parents to guide you or whatever, especially, um, it's, it's, it's it's kind of like figure it out on your own. (laughs) It's scary. It's kind of like, you know, you never, um, you never know tomorrow's promise to no one. And that definitely is something that I've learned and that, you know, to appreciate every moment and um, try to take every day as a gift. Yeah. And not only that, but um, um, not take anything for granted either. Mm. Um, it sounds like there's been a lot of, I'm not going to use the word benefits, but positives in a way that, you know, that going through going through that, in the long run can can help you grow that there's you know that it's not you know that it's not just wasted if you see what I mean um, well that's a choice and not everyone yeah. does that you know so yeah 
and people That's can true. Be, remain angry their whole lives and and you know yeah. um, victimize themselves or or whatever and you know you can do one or the other right it's at the point where I, to be honest i was like oh crap i'm on my own i better hurry up and like put my face in the books and get my degree or i don't know i didn't know it's scary it's a scary feeling but yeah i definitely think that a lot of good comes out of bad in yeah. every situation if you look for it's power of perception and intention and we can use our bad situations to try to see um as a learning tool or make good out of it or or do something with our lives regarding it it yeah. helps it helps us heal and um sometimes those that have experienced it can help others that are going through the same thing because they feel like you can relate. Mm. I definitely wouldn't be a therapist if I didn't have, if I hadn't experienced it. So maybe there was a purpose in all of it, mm. Mm. you know, from the get go. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'd be doing right now if that, but um, I know that I ended up in um, fascinated with psychology and everything like that because of that. Um, I think I started, um, even college is something different. I was an undecided major for a little bit, and then I have enough credits um, to either go through sociology or psychology. And um, and I realized sociology wasn't quite my thing, so I um, took the psychology route, and I ended up with a minor in sociology, um, and then kept on proceeding um, because exactly like what you said our experiences sometimes can guide us into serving us a bigger purpose yeah i absolutely 100 percent agree um absolutely agree i wouldn't i wouldn't be doing the 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 writing the i wouldn't probably be doing this episode of this show for example if i hadn't gone through what i went through uh, and doing mental health advocacy stuff you know, if I had been through what I went through. So, yeah. Um, I mean, what is the impact? What what impact has the radio show had on, you know, uh, outside, you know, in terms of raising awareness and helping people? What impact has it had? Well, yeah. it's growing all the time. Um, it's not quite where I want it to be. Still, um, I would like to, to reach more people. I think right now it reaches about 12 million. It's on seven stations um, and then syndicated in two states and World Wide Web. And so it's um, it's definitely helping others. It's not so much I speak on the show or anything like that. It's I have a different guest every every show. It's on twice a week, every Thursday and Friday at 12, um, my time, Eastern Standard Time, noon, 12 to 1. Thursdays and Fridays and every single show has a different topic and it's a different guest with a different story that's inspirational that they've lived through and with the hopes that it will inspire someone else to either feel that they're not alone or to seek help or to understand or to empathize or to just raise awareness and um a lot of people, you know, have their assumptions on certain illnesses, and then we call that a stigma. And um, mm. I'm trying very hard to end that or diminish that by through awareness and mm. through talking about things, especially with um, things that are very hard to talk about. 
such as, you know, you know, childhood sexual abuse or Mm. um, things of that nature or addiction or things that um, people feel that there's a lot of shame attached to um, that's not deserved. It's not their shame to carry. And that's very life altering for a lot of people when they don't, they don't face that or are unable to, or don't know how. And, mm. and when, um, they're able to let go of that shame, especially, you know, it's not their shame to carry. It's not their fault mm. often, especially mm. if it's something that wasn't their fault. Um, but yeah. unfortunately when things like that happen, people tend to blame themselves or feel that they're shamed. And, um, and there's a lot of healing that can happen. Even years later, I've had clients that that are in their late forties, fifties that came into help and they're healed. You know, you know, living a better, healthier life emotionally and mentally after you know coming in to counseling and and mm. addressing the issue and being honest about it mm. and understanding and forgiving not only the perpetrator but themselves. And yeah. 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 And that's the key is, you know, you have to face up to your pain to move on from it, because if you don't face up to it, it will just control you in some kind of subtle and almost unseen, unspoken way, um, because you'll just be burning it and it'll just control you. And and that's that happened to me for about 20 years, you know, uh, and I had no idea, you know, nearly 20 years. And um you've got to face it and facing it means actually going to that dark place as well which is difficult and it's painful in itself but the benefits of doing that are immeasurably higher uh-huh. you know, uh, i've seen i've seen it happen yeah um so that even inspired me during my practice um I'm not a survivor of childhood abuse, so definitely of the trauma I spoke of, of losing my parents, but not of abuse, but I had a lot of, quite a few clients come in and there wasn't quite that much curriculum back then on, on, you know, survivors of childhood abuse or incest survivors or things of that nature. And so then, um, I started a survivor group and, um, with their permission, documented their stories and we came up with some curriculum and self-help things of that nature and I wrote a book called There's a Light Within You That Never Goes Out and I donated it to childabuse.com mm. and it's a self-help book it's on the cover of childabuse.com it's free to download mm. and it's been on there since January 2017 and it's the real un- it's, it can be kind of graphic in nature but it's it's you know documented true stories of true survivors that um, mm. not only shared their stories but went through treatment and are and are um, living much happier and healthier lives now and and it's it's amazing to see that transformation of empowerment and enlightenment and and healing and when the shame and guilt that someone's been carrying for so long can be um, forgiven or let go or lifted when they mm. didn't know it was possible after carrying it for so long. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You can carry something for a long, long time without actually knowing you're carrying it. 
absolutely. And when you realise it and then you release it, it's um, it, it's amazing. I I remember going through some uh, some forgiveness stuff um, and and just letting go of things verbally and releasing uh-huh. them and then and then a few days later I kind of I hadn't told my sister yet and I was a, and I was about to tell my sister and I went to the part of the brain where I, where all that pain normally was and it wasn't there it it was it was literally like it had disappeared from my brain it was like I'd let it go and I'd forgiven these people and whatever and suddenly it it was gone. It was like I'd I I claimed back part of my brain. <laughs> you know. Um it was amazing. It was and you could phys- I could physically feel it, you know, that something had gone. You know. Uh, yeah, but most likely shame or guilt. Um when acknowledging it to another person and then to yourself and just simply acknowledging anything that's traumatic from the past and and then not only forgiving the situation but ourselves um, is like the hardest part of the battle. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people want to pretend things didn't happen or not talk about it or and then it 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 damages our soul. I don't know how else to say that, but yeah, yeah. when it when it doesn't need to. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, doing the show, doing the show, and and being a therapist as well. How how do you manage? Because you must hear a lot of really painful, traumatic stories, and. You know, I do a job where I hear a lot of painful, traumatic stories, and you know, it's 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 been challenging for me, and um, it's caused me some pain. And it's triggered a lot of a lot of stuff for me. So, how do you how do you deal with that kind of challenge, and allow it not and try and you know, how does it does it affect you, or how do you how do you manage that? Um, well, I've been doing it quite some time, you know, I think in the beginning when I first started to, you know, fresh out of school, it, it was, you know, hard to not bring it home with me and things like that nature. And I, um, even though I empathize and I care, of course I care, um, but I've been trained to be a bit desensitized and, you know, remain professional and try to, um, you know, not carry it home with me as much, you know, anymore. Um, as well as, um, through time it's, it's easier to put on the helping hat rather than the, the sympathy. You know what I mean? It's through time. It, it gets easier to help and to be the support without it impacting my, my own, yeah. mental health oh yeah that must be yeah but I definitely have to do my own self-care yeah absolutely I definitely have to decompress yeah. and I have to do things for myself so that mm. I don't 
feel overwhelmed or, you know, things of that nature too, of course. And I, you know, I talk to a therapist myself when needed as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So I'm not, I, I'm not like a therapist that doesn't see one as well. Um, yeah. I, I strongly believe everyone needs therapy and a sounding board. That's a confidant so that, mm. that we can you know, make sure that problems don't evolve when taking on too much ourselves. Absolutely agree. Yeah, I, I wish therapy wasn't so expensive because then everyone would be able to access it. You know, it's um, that's, that's the Me problem. Me too. Well, you're in the yeah, UK, just... well, in the United States. I mean, I try to be um, a provider that takes a lot of employee assistance, assistance programs mm. and all types of insurances and things of that nature so it's more accessible for mm. people. There's a lot of therapists that only do self-pay or cash only or whatever, and I'm not that kind of person. So, mm. I oh no, to... no, no, no! Oh, sorry, I didn't mean that to sound like a criticism of you at all. I'm just, I was more. No, I didn't. I didn't take it as that. I was um... saying it, it. Yeah, it's it's not it, it's not accessible for everyone, and it needs to be more. Yeah. As a professional, I try to make it in my own yeah. practice more accessible as much as I can. Yeah, and that's it. But. I, that's it's unfortunate that there's not more therapists that do that. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's. I understand that you know therapists have to make a living, and you know they have to put food on the table, and they've done done a lot of training, and um, it's just a shame. I think it's just because uh, I know that I, I've had a bit of it. I, 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 I see somebody on a regular basis, and I have a mindset coach as well, and I know the benefits of all of those those things. Just having somebody to sit with you and listen and reflect stuff back and and give you a bit of direction and clarity is really, really important. And, yeah, we need to try and get more people to do that, um, for sure, yeah. Um, right. And as a professional, I'm not allowed to talk about my day <laughs> to anyone. So of when course, it's, yeah, that's you know, even it starts worse, to build yeah. up, it's, it's good for me to talk to someone that isn't allowed to talk about what they are. So it's like the same thing, you know, being able to talk to someone confidentially helps on all levels. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, what is, what's the biggest stigma that you've encountered around mental illness in the work that you've done? There's so many of them. Which one's the biggest one? Um, well, what are some of the biggest ones? Yeah, it doesn't have to be just one. I don't know. The stigmas that I've encountered, um, uh, that people feel they don't need help um, or they they can handle it themselves um, or that it's for someone that's severely in crisis or um, mentally ill, quote-unquote, um, and... Um, I think those things are the biggest factors that um, is where people are fearful of being labeled that stop them from coming into therapy mm. is is a big one. A lot of also is that um, people assume they understand diagnoses and they don't, you know, and they make comments or jokes about, um, I don't know, there's 
always uh, oh, uh, making jokes about being OCD when they're not, you know, they don't really understand what they're saying. Or yeah. someone says they're having a bipolar moment. That irks me. They don't know what bipolar really means or things of those nature. Um, I think a lot of it is um, really not understanding what that is um, and what that means for someone that is living with symptoms of those things. And um, therefore, they're not being supportive to friends and family that they might know that might be suffering with issues of that. Mm. When things could be so much easier if if we all understood the, the symptoms correctly rather than fear them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've I've had stories of somebody who, a friend of mine who who knew somebody who was a bit of a perfectionist, almost obsessively, um, and said, oh, you know, he's OCD. Like, he's OCD. Almost flippantly, like, not realising. And he didn't mean it badly. He didn't mean it as criticism um, or mockery. Um, he, he he thought he was OCD, but, he's, but he wasn't. He was just a perfectionist. Um... And, and there's probably reasons for that. Yeah, a lot absolutely. of perfectionism comes from a need for control, and it probably yeah, you know, absolutely. And that, like for instance, you know, like, um, with the sudden loss of a parent that we mm. go through, said we, you know, um, when someone can just be really ripped out of your life like that, then you, a lot of people develop the need for control. Yeah, and they become a bit of a perfectionist. And it comes from so many things of trauma, especially early on. Like I said, a lot of childhood things we experience affect us into adulthood. Mm. And the need for perfectionism, people need order in their life. And there's a reason for it, if you, you know, yeah. whatever it was that can turn into the need for what people would say perfectionism. But really, that person's just trying to gain control because things have been out of control somehow in the past and they fear that happening again. It's a bad feeling. Nobody wants to relive that day. Yeah. One thing that's positive is like, you know, we never have to relive the worst day of our life ever again. And we've survived it a hundred percent up to today. So like the worst day of your life, it was traumatic, but we never have to experience that again. And that's true. And how strong we are to have survived uh, all of those mess up days 100% up to this day and Mm. a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit for all the stuff they've been through and how hard it was and how challenging and yet we're still standing yeah you had the worst day of your life and you're still here and you never have to relive it again you never have to go back there again it's not going to ever happen in the exact same way that was you know yeah and I, I, I definitely resonate with the whole control thing because that's an issue I, I've definitely had after a big childhood trauma, followed by losing my parent, one of my parents. Um, that's definitely a reaction I had, wanting to be able to control everything and feel like uh-huh. I was in control of everything, and knowing what I was doing, like ahead of time and having it in my head. Um, and even now, when I get when I get when I have it in my head what I'm doing, and I'm planned, and it's all kind of, and then suddenly it gets disrupted at the last minute, and something's thrown at me, it totally unsettles me, like, and it's not a conscious decision, um, you know. I don't have a mental health diagnosis, but um, I'm pretty confident that I have 
some kind of mental illness, whether it's PTSD or whether I'm on the, whether I'm on the autism, autism spectrum or or whatever autistic spectrum. Um, something I have I have something because it is not just it's not just for me it's not just a need for control. It's not just kind of something. It's not something I choose. You know, it's it's, uh-huh. it's something that my brain does, um, or to, like almost like as a, as a response. Um, I've just had to learn to manage it. I've just never been able to get a diagnosis, and the um, diagnosis would help because yeah. not so much for the label, but to, to identify the symptoms. And there's always treatment and coping skills that are proven to be effective for each thing. Yeah, I definitely have post traumatic stress from losing my parents and suffered from that and you know i'm triggered and things like that um it's yeah i think i think, and then yeah. anxiety formed from it yeah um, i have anxiety yeah but definitely and um you know i had situational mm-hmm. depression um i definitely have adhd that runs through my family i'm Situation. not afraid to admit that either <laughs> attention deficit i'm uh easily distracted and you know multitasking and you know things of that nature situational depression i've never heard that term before where the you have symptoms of depression after a situation but it's not clinically depressed right i see some people are not born clinically depressed but can go through depression after a loss or after something going through that where the same symptoms are there and can be treated for instance um even like uh, for an example after a chronic illness if somebody's diagnosed with um uh, you know chronic illness of you know med- medical illness um uh, uh car accident or a major injury or um or cancer, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, or, uh, you know, things of that nature. Um, a lot of neurologists want to prescribe an antidepressant, even if they're not depressed, because living in pain chronically can lead to that too, you know, symptoms of depression, even if they didn't have depression before that. And that's called, what did you say that was called? Situational Situ- depression. Situational depression. I have to remember that. That's really 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 helpful really useful um i think a lot of people might i think a lot of people will get that actually as well um i think a lot of people will will get that too so and treatment and going to counseling is so important during that time yeah to process it because because if when you don't see it coming you don't understand what's going on and identifying things you know like you said you were never diagnosed well then you know, if you don't understand what's going on with your mind and body, it's hard to understand how to help yourself. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. This is really, really useful stuff. Um, I hope this has been helpful for people who are listening because you I know, hope so too. Um, you know, we've both been through big traumatic um, experiences, and we're both still here and both doing good stuff good work in the world and you know we're not perfect we don't neither of us have got everything in our lives sorted sorted perfect happy ever after story but we are we're here and we're doing we're doing things in the world and we you know we're surviving and 
if, if you know, if I'm, you know, I'm just conscious if anyone's listening who's sometimes feels like there's no way out, there's no hope, um, that you've been through something, a big trauma, or um, and you don't know how you're going to get out of it. Um, it is possible. Which is really scary. Um, I just got off yeah. my show today, and my guest is, you know, a big advocate for suicide prevention and awareness. And, you know, no one's ever stuck. There's always room. Well, first of all, there's always room for improvements, and no one ever without need of some sort of guidance ever. But also um, to lose hope and, and not know that there's resources out there is mm. – is um, a shame, and there's so many resources to help to reach out, even you know through social media, through support groups, through things of that nature. Um, if you can't find a counselor or if afford one, there's always some sort of you know free crisis online, you know things of that nature, where um, where advocacy people can you know be a friendly ear or a sounding board or you know. Mm. To, to help each other, re, you know, understand that they're not alone. Yeah, yeah, because because you're not alone. You really are. I mean, I've I've talked a lot about mental illness um, this year on on the podcast, and one of the reasons is because I'm so passionate about about spreading awareness, and I really want other people to know, listeners to know, you know you're not alone in your in your in the challenges that you're facing you're not alone in your struggle you're not alone you don't have to deal with what you've been through alone you don't have to deal with your condition alone um and there's nothing deficient or wrong with you you know um it's you know and you know you're worth you're 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 worth it you're worth everything and um and you matter and and there is help for you and you're you know um that's that's why I talk about it on this show. That's why I have people like you on because, um, I mean, what you said today is really, really encouraging and helpful. I think for a lot of people, um, and, you know, and um, especially, you know, the people that I think scare me the most are the people that think there's nothing wrong. <laughs> you know. Hmm. They think there's nothing wrong with them, or there's no room for improvement. Mm. Um, those are the ones that scare me the most because that means that they're, you know, a bit of a sociopath or something like that. Um, you know, if they don't see any remorse or anything wrong with themselves or narcissism or things of that nature. Um, but mm. for the most part, um, or fear of finding there's a lot of people that fear of going to counseling because they're afraid that they're going to find out what is wrong with them. They're afraid of the label or something like that, that goes and And I think that, um, that prevents a lot of people from re seeking help too. And everyone, everyone can use guidance in some form of manner. Everyone has a diagnosis of some sort. And even in the, the, the manual for mental health disorders, there's a phase of life problem. Who hasn't ever moved or had an adjustment or a thing, a breakup or um, a hard time through life and had a, you know, difficult time handling it? Well, that's the diagnosis, mm. you know, things of that nature. So no one's symptom free of anything. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And 
that's the, the odd thing about the stigma is like, you know, it's kind of hypocritical, if anything. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Cause we've all got stories. We've all got backgrounds. We've all got, had experiences which have shaped us one way or another. Uh-huh. Um, and like you say, the, you know, the, the really important thing is um, that we confront that, that we accept what's going on, that we, you know, that, that we recognise it and we walk through it and are honest with ourselves and, and, and confront it and deal with it because that's how you get healing and that's how you get free. Absolutely. Um, so just to finish, like, what would be... What would be the one thing, What if you could say one message of hope to people who are facing, you know, mental illness, um, what, would, what, what would that be? I guess um, it would be never give up and if you, and to definitely seek help and and find the right therapist that you make a good connection with, that you feel like you really can trust and that you can really feel a connection where you can talk to. And don't give up until you find the right one because that's when the relationship can really, the relationship, the connection, the trust is very important. And um, it might take several attempts of wrong connections to find the right one. But when you find the right therapist, that's when the, the healing begins. But not all different not all treatments work for everyone there's so many different ways to get help and to and to overcome the past and overcome the hurt and i would say um that everyone everyone is important everyone has value and everyone deserves to be happy Mm. and it's possible yes Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah. And I'm really, I'm really impressed that you're doing this and, and, and keep up the good work and spreading the message. I don't think that we can ever get enough awareness out there. Yeah. And I, I think we should never stop trying because yeah. uh, the, the world definitely needs a lot more a lot more growth on this subject on this subject matter absolutely Uh, a lot more education a lot more awareness a lot more understanding and we're not even halfway there but we're on our way right yeah we're on our way yeah and thank you for what you do as well um it's a really really important thing that you do and you make such a positive difference to so many people so thank you so do you thank you i'm honored to call you a friend i'm happy to be on your show and thanks for inviting me you're welcome and we'll have you back sometime too for sure Uh, anytime so um thanks everyone for listening and uh hope this has really been encouraging and supportive for you and uh have a great week everyone